Welcome to another episode of Overcome Out Loud with Charlie Smith, a podcast that has been committed to and dedicated to bringing listeners the story of people that have overcome adversity, challenge, and change in their lives to thrive and, and how they've done it as a, as a way to give other people hope. You know, so many people suffer in silence that through having the powerful stories of courageous and vulnerable men and women that have come on and shared their path through uh, the tragedies and the challenges that they faced in their lives. It's just given so many people hope. You know, we've heard so many incredible stories and throughout the episodes and throughout the, the broadcast of this, of this podcast, you know, this year I'm going to start to give you some uh, episodes commit, ded dedicated to some of the topics that we've been discussing, some of the things that I think help build an overcome mindset. We had Jason Redman on to, to kick off this year and he talked about an overcome mindset you know which is these these threats these challenges you know these these roadblocks uh, they're coming you know in our lives adversity is coming and really adversity can be life's golden ticket that can take us uh, places we've never been uh, if we use it correctly and have the proper lens to see it through you know I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, 2019 uh, University of Virginia season where they lost in the first round of the uh, NCAA tournament um, only to come back the next year and it, by the way it was the first time a first seed had lost like they had lost and it was such a setback and you know their coach and that team came together and decided that they were going to turn that you know challenge into an opportunity and they were going to see that threat as as not just the end of the road but uh, just a bend in the road they got better and they came back and won a national championship uh, the, the point guard for Virginia, Kihei Clark, played youth basketball uh, here locally for the, for, the, for the Kings and for Adam and Matt Mazzari. And he's such a, such a great story of resilience that, you know, we, we see these setbacks as just the opportunity to make a comeback. And so I'm reminded. So today what I want to do is I want to break down some strategies to develop a resilient mindset. You know, um, mindset is this conditioned set of beliefs that drive behaviors, right? So when our beliefs and our behaviors are in alignment, we can really drive results in our lives. And I think some people see resilience as this kind of slugging through something and, you know, having to get through something and that resilience is this kind of, you know, wet blanket, muddy kind of, yeah, I'm resilient, but it's, I'm tired of having to get through things. And really, you know, resilience is, is like a muscle. You know, I love this quote by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He says, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. You know, if we want to get uh, improve at anything that we're doing, whether it's sales, marketing, sports, you know, any high performance activity that, that adversity, setbacks, uh, sales calls that were, you know, were rejected on, you know, they all give us an opportunity to grow and get better. It's, it's just kind of that no just stands for next opportunity, right? And so resilience is, is really, it's the ability to overcome in the face of adversity, in the, in the face of threat, in the face of tragedy, or a significant source of stress and thrive. You know, I've added that to the definition because I believe that resilience is, is like a, a muscle. You know, when you go to the gym and you exercise, you're actually breaking down your muscle fiber and your muscles get stronger when you leave the gym and you recover. And, and that's much like adversity. It feels like I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But what you're actually doing while you're going through the struggle of whatever the event is, a breakup. A death in your family you know just you know all of these things that we've got to get through if we look through the proper lens you're actually building a resiliency muscle and and really the more pressure that you're under the stronger that muscle gets which you know if i want to get better at something and i see adversity as a way to get better you know i'm not so concerned but it but but we do worry you know we we have this tendency to to view 
our lives through this lens of, of what could go wrong instead of what could go right. And I think when we get some confidence around the fact that we are resilient, that you know, we're not gonna fear that next event as much. And so I you know, like to tell you as I sit here today uh, and you're listening that I'm gonna introduce you to the most resilient person that you'll ever need to know. Uh, on this podcast today, and and you'll be surprised maybe to know that 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 it's you. You know, you are the most resilient person you'll ever need to know. I I already know that. You know, I hope by the time you're done listening today, you will too. And you know, the real science behind resilience. You know, when you look at the 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 research behind resilient people, they're they're just they have better outcomes with stress and adversity. Uh, they have much higher career success, uh, reduces depression. Uh, decreases anxiety, and, and of course, you know, they just perform better in the face of adversity. Uh, people with a resilient mindset, you know, just have that ability to get through and move through to the next event. And so there's a few strategies that uh, I've identified as, as being common to and helpful in developing a resilient mindset that I want to go through with you today. And, and the first one, it's really important. Uh, the first strategy in developing a resilient mindset that I want to give you today is something called conscious competency. Now, conscious competency is something that you can use really to advance the, the confidence you have in anything that you're good at already. So there's four levels of competency. The first is unconscious incompetence. That's where we don't know what we don't know, right? Uh, the second level of competency is conscious incompetence. That's where we're still not really good at something, but we understand that there's a strategy, a set of skills that we could develop to get better, and we become aware of those. And, and now, although we still aren't good at it, we know that there's something we could be doing to get better at it. And the third level is conscious competency. That's where we've started to develop those skills on a regular basis, and we've improved our competency and we've improved our level of performance in that area. And we know that there's a strategy that we've adapted to in, in fact become better at that skill. We understand what it is and we take the time to sit down and reflect on it. And then the third is unconscious competency. That's where we actually have become so prepared and so uh, skilled in, in, in converting that conscious competency to unconscious competency that we can actually do the action without having to think about it. A couple of examples to kind of make this a little clearer. Uh, I think the easiest and simplest is tying our shoes, right? When we were little, we sat down and we had these two pieces of string hanging out of our out of our shoes and we saw these other older kids that were like just ripping through and tying up their shoes and getting off to the playground or getting off to school. And, you know, our parents were like, you got to tie your shoes. And you struggled with kind of being unconsciously incompetent. I don't know how to tie my shoes. And then somebody taught you a strategy. They taught you a way that th to tie your shoes. The, you know, the rabbit goes around the tree and through the hole and back down the hole and around the tree. And you learned this, this strategy and, and then you started applying it. And, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, tying my shoes became a little easier. And, and now, you know, you can tie your shoes while you're thinking about the three things you need to do when you get to work. You know, you don't think about tying your shoes anymore. You've become unconsciously competent, where you don't have to think about being good at tying your shoes. Most people skip the conscious competency part. You know, We often won't reflect back on events because we've got this idea that somehow self-reflection self will point out you know, our weaknesses or our flaws or our fears, doubts, worries, and insecurities. And so you know, we just think, I, I, you know, I had a good quarter, I, got, I had a good half, I got lucky, you know, hopefully I'll get lucky again next quarter, next half. And, and really we can do ourselves better than that by reflecting on what it what made us good in those moments. And it's true with adversity tolerance or resilience. So one of the things I encourage 
uh, my clients and, and sales professionals and high performers to do is go back and identify you know, this time in their life when they had to face adversity, when they had to face a setback. You know, and look at a few things that comprise the nature of your character during that event. You know, these are innate skills that you already have. You just not, may, may not be aware of them, and you may not understand how they serve you. So there's three things that really I'd encourage you to sit down and jot down around that adverse um, episode that you went through. That, and, it, and, and, you know, it could be, it could be a breakup. It could be the death of a family member. It could be a job demotion. It could be getting laid off or fired. You know, these things that at the time seem insurmountable, I ask you to go back and, and look at your character strengths. Look at the attributes of the elements of your character that you relied on to get you through that uh, event. You know, were you creative? Were you strong? Were you, you know, were you resilient? Did you push through? Did you take action despite being afraid? Um, you know, uh, were you present? Um, you know, how did you get through that event? You know, there, you, you, we all have these character strengths, things that make us who we are. You know, as an example, I look back at, at some adverse events or some, uh, you know, setbacks that I've been through in my life, whether it's, uh, whether it's a divorce or whether it's, um, you know, changing the, the nature of the business that I'm in or maybe dealing with my drug and alcohol problem, you know, all of these things that seemed insurmountable at the time, you know, I've, I've found that I'm courageous, right? I've found that I'm caring and compassionate. I found that I'm energetic and passionate. You know, I've got these character strengths, the things that I want people to experience in me that I've experienced myself, that I've used to get through those events. Um, and when I look at the nature of my character and I see what my character strengths were, I become a little more consciously competent about the fact that I've got those things and I can use those things. So the first thing is your character strengths. The second thing I want you to identify are your values. Living a principled and value life is, is one of the most instantaneous ways to achieve success. You know, if I've got a set of values that I've identified I want to live by, values are much like muscles. You know, so the more we work out our values, the stronger they get. And if we don't work out, you know, our high performance values or integrity values, um, then, then they're not strong enough to be able to be used, you know, when we face adversity. So, you know, if you go back and you look at having to get through something, what values did you live by? You know, for me, you know, uh, a few of my core values are hopefulness. Um, you know, I believe and, and have hope and faith uh, the future um, is going to be okay. You know, that everything's going to work out uh, and that no matter how bad it seems today that everything that's happening is in my best interest if I can just keep persevering and pursuing. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm helpful. I try to be of service, you know, in the, in the face of adversity. I try to see, you know, what I can do to help somebody else. Um, I'm humble, you know, so less of me, more of you. How can I be a, a servant leader? Uh, and I, I try to remain disciplined, which is doing the things that I said I would do, uh, even when I don't feel like doing them. You know, those, those are some of the values that I've lived by. Um, and I can tell you, for me, right, you know, that for a period of time in my life, you know, uh, as a result of the way I grew up, like my dishonesty muscle was very strong. I started lying at the age of six, you know, having grown up in a violent home, not wanting people to know that I learned to lie about who I was. And so my dishonesty muscle got very strong. I, was, I found myself, you know, lying about where I was and what I was doing. And, and then I, I drifted and, 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 
you know, advanced into substance abuse issues and that dishonesty continued, especially that lying to myself. And when I decided to change my life, one of the first things I had to do was learn how to be honest. You know, it wasn't a muscle that I had worked out, you know, so I found myself struggling to, to start to tell the truth. Uh, but as I've worked out my honesty muscle, as adversity is, has, has come and as I've had to face tough consequences of those decisions, I've learned to be honest in the face of adversity and it's lessened the amount of, of the length of time that that adversity has lasted, right? So, you know, what are the values that you stand for? What are the values that you live by? You know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so understanding the values and identifying those that you use to get through an adverse event is a really strong exercise. And the third thing uh, that I encourage you to do is identify who was there to support you. Who were your mentors? Who were your friends? Who were your coaches? Um, who are your family members? Who are the people that you relied on to get through that event? You know, we're going to talk about the strategy of community and connection. And, you know, there's a saying that, that I hold very tr true to myself, which is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You know, um, it's really important to ask for help. You know, there's a story, a, a great story by uh, Dr. Rod Gilbert, who hosts Success Hotline. And if you don't listen to Success Hotline, uh, I'd encourage you to, 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 to grab that. It's a podcast. Uh, on Ironclad, um, and Dr. Rod Gilbert's been doing, I think he's on episode 11,000. He tells the story of when he begins a class year, he holds a, a $100 bill in his hand and he asks his students, you know, who wants that $100 bill? And of course, a lot of them raise their hand. And then he asks, who wants to work for this $100 bill? And a few raise their hands. And so he picks one of them and he gives them a lock, combination lock, an old fashioned twisty combination lock. And he says, you've got an hour, you've got through the end of class to solve and find out what the three number combination is to unlock this lock. And if you do that at the end of class, I'll, I'll give you the $100. And so, of course, you know, the, the kid starts off and, and, and starts to work on the tumblers and he's back and forth and then he starts to get frustrated. And of course, by the end of class, Dr. Rod Gilbert says, you know, did you, did you pop the lock? Do you got the $100? And the kid says, no, I, I didn't, of course. And, and very... And nobody does, not very few, nobody does. Why? Because there's 37,000 three-number combinations or more to a lock. And then he asks, do you think anybody in this room knew the combination to that lock? And the student stops and thinks for a second and says, well, I guess you do. And he says, why didn't you ask me? I didn't think to. And that's the case. You know, we don't often think to ask for help, but it's the best way through adversity and tolerance. You know, they've done a lot of research around people that have, have overcome very adverse, violent abuse as a child. You know, and through all of the research they've done on survivors of, of violent abuse, the one common element to each of those survivors was having one person just one person who believed in them. So ask yourself, you know, who was around you? And it may not be the same people today that were around you when you got through that event. It may be, you know, I, I go through when my sister took her own life about six years ago, I look at the people that were around me, you know, whether it was um, my, my, my sponsor in AA or whether it was my uh, good friends from Fairfield University, you know, that, that, that rallied and came to New Hampshire to, to be with me, um, my, my close family, um, you know, that, that were around us and, and just looking at those people and realize, wow, I didn't go through that alone. You know, as hard as it seemed, as insurmountable as it seemed, I didn't go through that alone. I was on the phone a lot. And so I'd encourage you to look at those three things to build a resilient mindset, conscious competency. What were the values, the character traits, strengths, and the support that you had around you during that last event. And I think when you take a moment and, and reflect on some of those things, you'll be less concerned 
about the next event. Uh, you know, the, the next strategy, the second strategy I want to give you to uh, developing a resilient mindset is called cultivating optimism. You know, looking at uh, these events in our lives as, as opportunities for growth and, and seeing them as an advantage and not a threat. You know, optimism is this idea of a hopefulness and confidence about the future. And I, I really do differentiate optimism from positivity for you. And I think it's important because there's a lot of kind of toxic positivity out there, which is just everything's good for you. And, and, and look, you know, everything that's happening, you know, it's hard to be positive about. You know, I think positive creates a lot of stress. It's not, I wish we weren't in a pandemic, you know. I wish, you know, things in, you know, financial things in my life were, were different. I wish, I wish my business was taking, you know, taking off at a rocket pace instead of the pace that it, I, I can't find myself getting, you know, um, realistic about things. And what I have to try and stay is, is optimistic. And optimistic is simply a hope and faith in the future of an outcome. Uh, versus positivity, which is kind of that idea that what I'm going through is good. Um, and so, you know, looking at optimism and looking through an optimistic lens can be very empowering for developing a resilient mindset. And there's really four P's of developing optimism and a resilient mindset. Um, the first is what's happening is not permanent. Um, so I, I guess, you know, to make it simple, just, you know, remember this too shall pass. Um, you know, all of the things that we've been through from a resilience mindset standpoint, looking at that, it's not permanent and that this too shall pass. Um, the second P of building a resilient mindset through cultivating optimism is it's not pervasive. What do I mean by pervasive? I mean, just because you didn't do well on a test, just because you didn't do well in a practice, just because you didn't do well in a game, just because you didn't have a good sales month, doesn't mean that you're not a good salesperson. It doesn't mean that you're not a good athlete. It doesn't mean that you're not a good student. It just means that this particular moment, this particular event didn't go well, and it's not going to you know, permeate the rest of your lives. And, and it doesn't mean you're not going to be a good husband or a good daughter or a good son or a good mother. Um, and sometimes we think that when we have a setback that's occurring in our lives that it means there's something wrong with us and, and there's really not. And so it's not pervasive. Um, it's, it's also not personal, right? So it won't define you. Um, this doesn't mean that I'm bad. Uh, there might be something bad happening right now, but it doesn't mean that I'm bad. This won't define me. In fact, what will define me is how I get through it. And the fourth P, which I often don't hear about, uh, maybe I've added it to the, to the three P's of a resilient mindset, um, is the fourth P, which is possibilities. This will create possibilities. The idea that one door closes, one door shuts is the, is the drill that we do. And you know, I'm reminded of a, of a great story right now of Trayvon Diggs, who's a uh, Pro Bowl. He'll be playing this Sunday in the Pro Bowl. Uh, uh, if you're listening to this, it might have already been played. Trayvon Diggs is a Pro Bowl cornerback in the NFL who at one point in his young career was a, a Parade All-American five-star recruit. Um, he decided to play uh, receiver at Alabama for one of the winningest coaches in college football, Nick Saban. Um, it was an incredible honor for him to be recruited by and, and, and be awarded a scholarship to play at Alabama. And in his sophomore year, Coach Saban came to Trayv a young Trayvon Diggs and, and explained to him that there were five All-American 
wide receivers in front of him and and that all of those guys were going to be getting playing time and he was not but he said based on your size your skills what i've seen out of your hands i think you could really help us on defense i think you'd be a standout cornerback if you'll switch positions and play defense for us here at alabama right so here's this one door seeming to be closing you know this whole career of of being a receiver of of posting on instagram that he's been recruited to play receiver um and and all of the stories that go along with it and and now he's been converted to cornerback and and he could see that as a back or a door closing but what it really was was a door opening what i love about the trayvon diggs story is he called stefan diggs who's playing who plays for the bills standout wide receiver and and his brother just said why don't you see what you can do to help your team i think nick's right i think you'd be an incredible cornerback and so that seemingly door closing opened this new door for him and he's now considered to be one of the best cornerbacks in the nfl they 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 would call him a, a shutdown cornerback and a ball hawk. And I think we'll talk a little bit more. There's a few more examples uh, with Trayvon. But but that idea that when one door closes, another door opens. And so the way to develop an optimistic mindset, the strategy that I wanted to give you is to really d- look at, you know, situations in your past. And, you know, don't just think it, you know, ink it. You know, get down on paper and, and, and self-reflect and, and look at that idea that, you know, boy, something did, you know, this door did close and, and this door did open. You know, I didn't get that deal you know but I met this new client um, you know this relationship didn't work out but boy I met the love of my life you know who who surrounds me with, with love and adoration you know I didn't you know make that team but I made this team um, and and I love these teammates you know I didn't get that scholarship but I'm playing at this school and boy look at all the friends that I have now it's always looking at at, at, at that lens of one door closing but another door open so that you can build some reliance and some resiliency around you know whatever door it seems like might be closing now that it's just an opportunity for another door to open and, and building that you know idea that that resilient mindset that muscle of, of looking through the lens of what will be not what is and and then enjoying and, and really looking forward to what you're going to learn from that and and I want to talk a little bit about failure um, you know and, and I, I call this third strategy courage state you know what I want to get into as it relates to courage state is really you know what I like to call flipping your report card. So it's turning your F's into A's. And, and what I what I mean by that is, you know, uh, success is going from one failure to another without giving up. You know, I really want to, you know, really dig into that idea that, you know, the really, you know, failure is just a word. You know, we've applied, we've identified, we've started to, you know, narrate uh, what that means to fail, you know, and there's a lot of not good enough in the failure kind of narrative. Um, and it's just not true. Failure is an opportunity to learn and to grow, you know, and winners lose more than losers lose. And I'll say that again, winners lose more than losers lose. Babe Ruth, known for one of the best home run hitters, also led the league in strikeouts. You know, let's go back to Trayvon Diggs for a second. You want to talk about uh, a career year. He led the league in interceptions, 11 interceptions, which by any stretch uh, is an incredible feat. It tied the record for the Cowboys. It was the most interceptions in a season, I think, by anybody um, for the last 30-plus years, maybe more. Um, an incredible standout season. But, but Trayvon Diggs also had the second most pass interference penalties in the NFL this year. Probably a top 10 receiver of penalties. I think he had probably um, eight pass interference penalties against him. But but the idea was he didn't see those, that failure was didn't mean he was a failure. Those pass interference penalties that he got during the course of the season also allowed him to have the most interceptions. And those interceptions obviously turned the ball around for his team. And, and seeing those things 
um, as just opportunities to get better, you know, opportunities to change what I'm doing and learn. You know, that's how that's the lens through which we see failure. You know, Michael Jordan has a famous quote where he talks about how many times he's missed the game winning shot, you know, trusted to take the game winning shot and missed it, you know, and he's failed so many times that that's why he's succeeded. And so, you know, when we look at those failures uh, and we think they prove that we're a failure, it's 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 really disempowering us. You know, it's really putting a lens that will limit our performance as opposed to looking at through the lens of getting better as as improving our performance. So, f you know, failure is is a word. Um, and if you look at the word failure and say it means getting better, it means being successful, um, I think you're going to look through a different lens. I'm, off, I'm off, oftentimes reminded of uh, Stephen King, obviously a best-selling author, uh, lots of movies after his books. His first book, Carrie, was rejected over 30 times by publishers, 30 times. Uh, which is a lot. You know, he used to have a nail and he'd, and he'd put his rejection letters up on his nail. I think he needed a second nail. He was rejected so many times, but those were just opportunities for him to finally find the right publisher, which means, you know, rejection number two, keep going. Rejection, rejection number six, keep going. Rejection number 18, keep going. You know, failure number 22, keep going. Failure 24, keep going. Failure 28, keep going. You know, and then 30, uh, Carrie is published and, and Stephen King goes on to become uh, a best-selling, world-renowned author um, and an incredible story. So, you know, when we reframe failures, I like to say I want to turn your Fs into As, that, you know, failure, it, it may seem like an F, but it's really an incredible advantage for you if you look at through it uh, through the right lens. So reframe your failures is another strategy to develop that courage state in developing um, a resilient mindset. Um, and, and the last thing that I want to talk about in, in developing a resilient mindset is really that idea of community and connection. You know, what I said before, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Who are the engines in your lives and, and not anchors? You know, have you identified the people that you can trust to help you get through uh, the events that you're going through? And, and, and you know, uh, Dale Carnegie wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? And in that book, one of the things that he said, which I've taken to heart, is if you want to have a friend, you need to be a friend, right? I often talk about what makes things valuable in our lives is how much time we invest in them. So who are the friends, right, in your life? Who are the, the people in your life that you rely on to improve um, and help you and guide you through those events. You know, asking for help and, and having those people around you, super important. You know, identify a mentor, you know, who's in the spot that you want to be in, who's a little further down the road than you. You know, identify a friend that you can trust, who you've been there for, who you can be there for, a family member, um, you know, maybe a teacher, a coach, um, you know, get a coach, have a coach, you know, um, people that guide us through um, the things that we want to go through. I have two mental performance coaches. You know, I've started a, a, a practice called Train Your Mind, Chain Your Life, and, and TYM, Train Your Mind, is focused on developing mental performance skills. And, and in order to do that, you know, I'm surrounded by um, the right people, right? So uh, Colin Henderson, you know, is a guy who I've relied on. Brian Kane is a guy who I've relied on. My friends and mentors, George Mumford, who I've been around, um, you know, for the last five years, learning from, growing from, being inspired by, taking time to invest in, uh, in him and finding out how I can help and advance his cause. 
um, Dr. Jason Selk, um, you know, who's mental performance coach and, and wrote a great book called Relentless Solution Focus uh, recently. You know, I've, I've been through his training uh, and been coached by him. You know, I just, I, I know I don't know all of the things that I need to know and there's people that have advanced these skills and so I read and I listen to podcasts and then I, I get trained by people that are supporting me and, and it's the reason you know that I've been out uh, speaking nationally to Division One college campuses uh, and com companies you know all over the state of California on developing um, you know a performance-based mindset is because I asked for help so you know what is it that you're doing who are the people that are going to be around you uh, to support you through those those tough times um, and and it's that community and connection is the last strategy and you know just realize that people out there have your back um, know who they are rely on them uh, I can tell you I've got your back you know as a listener and a, and a, and a friend of, of the podcast you know I get messaged uh, a lot uh, and and provide guidance and support a lot to people that are struggling because because I struggle, you know. Um, you know, I came into this podcast today with a couple of phone calls from potential clients, and and neither of them were interested in what I'm doing. And and I tell you that because you know both of those things, you know, I viewed through the lens of just getting better. You know, no next opportunity or the five SWs of sales. Right? Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. So why not keep calling? You know, those are the things that that drive me. And I think a lot of times I didn't understand what resilience meant. I've you know I've seen some posts out there recently. It's like I'm tired of being called resilient. You know, I, I just want um, I just wanted things to go, you know, smoothly and and they will for a while. You know, I mean, I mean, for me, you know, life is is just about being on that ocean. And, you know, when the seas come and, and you know, they 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 hit, you know, I want you to know, right, that you're the most resilient person you'll ever need to know and so I hope as you continue to go through your journey you'll see all of these things that seem to be setbacks as opportunities for you to make a comeback uh, I've had my setbacks and, and made lots of comebacks I hope you'll see what you think might be the end of the road is just the bend of the road and you'll just keep trying to get better tomorrow than you are today and if we can keep doing that we do that together uh, we can overcome and we can overcome out loud mm -hmm.